Yeah, you know what you can get me, Pee-wee? What? El hombre. First of all, as a service to the listeners, this is an absolute forget about it. El hombre. He's a pariah. I mean, it's like going after raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. El hombre. I can't help but feel like that snapshot was directed at somebody in particular. I'm not sure. I could be way off on that. But joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, you know him, you love him, you hear him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, the one and the only El Hombre, Michael Bradley. How are you, man? Snapshot, are you talking about photographs? (laughs) I was watching the end of match. What happened? Oh, you didn't hear Dave's update. No. Oh. You did, too. I did not. Yes, you criticized me every other time, like, oh, you sound uncomfortable. And I fi- and oh, that wasn't point, professional. I figured, at this point, I figured I shouldn't listen anymore because you haven't <laughs> taken my advice. So he threw he's in a, a nugget for you, and you didn't even hear He's it. a big, fat liar. <laughs> he really is. A big, fat I'm liar. I'm not. I'm not big or fat. <laughs> I think he said something along the lines of the, the Phillies and the Eagles suck. Well, yeah, let's see, one went to the Super Bowl and the other went to the World Series. So evidently the man has an issue with the truth. <laughs> and yeah, you, I heard it and I was going to play it, play it cool. And at the end, I was going to say there's nothing worse than a bitter, washed up old linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know how much, how much uh, spring training baseball you've watched to this point. But Plenty. What, what's your take on the, on the pace, the, the new rules? What stood out to you? Would you give us your... Uh... I am deliriously happy happy okay i'm serious we've talked about this a million times over the over the last several years and this is going to cut the time of games down 20 25 even 30 minutes i think it's tremendous <clears throat> obviously there are going to be some problems there's going to be some foul ups today i think in the phillies game a guy tried to call timeout a batter with one second left in the pitch clock the ump gave him the timeout even though he's not supposed to do it so everybody's learning um some people like it some people don't like it but here's the deal they better get used to it so i'm very very happy about it seriously i I couldn't be happier with this the other stuff you know you'll get used to it look anything more than throwing the ball over two times to keep a runner on base it gets egregious the bases look like pizza boxes but i don't think that's going to make you know there's gonna be a million more stolen bases or anything like that and i'm we've talked about the shift before i love it that there's no shift anymore. This is great. Well, I'm sorry. You said that uh, that he tried to call timeout. What is the procedure there? I don't know. I think like, you can only call it with a certain number of... I think you have to call it before eight seconds, which is when the, the batter's supposed to be in the box and ready to go. Um, if he calls it at the last second, he's not he's not supposed to get it. The pitch either the pitch comes in or it's called a strike. So, I don't know all the rules, but but what I read today on the uh, internet machine, the umpire should not have granted him timeout. Okay, yeah, because we were talking to uh, Brock and Salkar, by the way, down in uh, spring training every morning. Uh, I had to ask what time their show starts, Bob, because I'm never up at that hour, six to ten, <laughs> six to ten down there. But that uh, makes two of us. But you know, Brock was saying, um, Michael, that. Uh, that when you're there in person, you don't notice it nearly as much as as you do when you're watching it on television. As far as the you know the speed of the game and everything with the the clock and all that. Well, I, I would imagine that's correct. I mean, look, there's a clock before this season. There was a clock in between innings by which at a certain time the first batter of the new inning had to be announced by a certain time. Uh, you know, there's a, a thing up there, MVR, mountain visits remaining. Not everybody really pays attention to that. But 
I will tell you this. You're, uh, there's going to be very few occasions where it's going to be the bottom of the third and you're going to look up at the, at the real clock and you're going to see that the game is an hour and 45 minutes old because there's nothing more disheartening. And nothing has happened. Right? There's been two base runners. There's been you know, six times that the, the pitcher's thrown the ball back to the umpire saying he doesn't like it. The games I've been watching, what I notice the most is the pitcher gets the ball, he toes the rubber, and he throws it. Yeah, I, I personally like the pace, and I'm somebody I, I consider myself more old school when it comes to baseball in terms yeah. of the tradition, but I I love that there's that pace. I The bases, to me, are the most, uh, I guess, non-existent change. I haven't seen anything to tell. I know it's it's four and a half inches between, uh, you know, first and second, second and third, four and a half inches shorter. But to this point, it's only been a handful of games. I haven't seen anything that tells me, oh, yeah, those bases are making a difference. To this point, that's been the the least impactful, I would say. But uh, as far as the – when I was telling Dave this earlier, and I understand it's spring, so maybe this will change during the regular season. But remember when they they started checking pitchers for the foreign substances, and we saw a number of pitchers just act like little babies, just little petulant children. They're so mad, and they're just sitting there just (laughs) – and just, you know, you could see the heavy size and why do I have to go through this? I was kind of wondering, are we going to see some of that with this? If somebody gets called for a strike or a ball or whatever happens there. And to this point, I haven't seen it. Now, maybe when the games matter, maybe we will. But any any surprise in the way? I mean, we saw a game end on one of these calls. Was it the yep. Red Sox, I think, with the bases loaded and two outs? So, yeah, we, we've seen it impact. It's spring training. And again, maybe it changes in the regular season. But what were your expectations? No, I, look, they're going to gripe and they're going to grouse. And the game, remember, the game ended because it was a 6-6 tie in the ninth inning and they don't play extra innings in, um, in, in, the, in the spring training. So if, this were, if that had been a regular game, it, we just would have been headed to the 10th and they would have put the imaginary runner on second base and we would have complained about that. So <laughs> um, I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't think the pitchers, that some pitchers are going to complain. I mean, Zach Wheeler of the Phillies doesn't like it. But, you know, some of the pitchers have gotten a little smart about it and said, now I'm in control. You know, like, when am I going to throw over? You know, it used to be I'm going to throw over five times and the guy can anticipate it. Now the base runner's thinking, well, he only has two. Is it going to be on the first pitch? Is it going to be on the second? When's he going to do it? At the same time, it's I got the ball. I think the pitchers are going to be better at, at, at adjusting to this than the hitters. Because for the longest time, the hitters are pretty much disrobed in between pitches and then had to put everything back on, and then they step in. Now they got it, you know, ball one, ball's back at the pitcher, clock start. He gets seven seconds, pal. Dig in and get ready to go. How about the notion that uh, baseball fans are getting shorted 81 hours of baseball <laughs> during the season, three and a third days? Uh, Think of everything you can do with those 81 hours, okay? Wait, that's, that's more enjoyable than sitting around lounging with a beer on the couch? I can't do I can, it. I can do that anytime. I mean, I mean, what I'm saying is 81 hours is the difference between going to bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock if you got to get up at 5.15 like some of us do and having to you know keep your eyes open with toothpicks or miss the end of a game so that you you know you can stay up till 10 30 or 11 I, there's no reason for a baseball game to take four hours as i mean unless it's a 20 to 19 slugfest i've seen one to nothing and two to one games have taken three hours it's preposterous and the thing about baseball is oh yes it's the languid pace and it's the the, the radio on the back porch and we've romanticized the heck out of it but for somebody who goes to a game and is just sitting there watching nothing happen that that's difficult especially at a time when our attentions are that of you know gnats we expect (laughs) something to happen 
Hey, where, where are you at with, uh, and I know we've touched on this as it relates to the Mets, but we're watching the San Diego Padres just unload the Brinks truck. I mean, they, they just they just uh, signed an extension with Manny Machado for $350 million. They've said they are now going to do something similar but more with Juan Soto. They bring in the big shortstop in the offseason. They've got Tatis that they signed to. I mean, there's a ton of money being spent by the Padres, and now they've become a target of the teams that don't spend, that make them look bad, talking about Oakland. And talking about Pittsburgh, and you know everybody was mad with the Mets, and now now the Padres are falling into that. I don't have any sympathy for those teams. I think the, nope. I think baseball. And my I guess my long winded question is: Do you ever see baseball instituting a floor, a mandatory? Here's the minimum: If you're an owner, get ready because you better spend at least this much, especially if you're collecting competitive balance tax revenue sharing from the big clubs that are spending. You are benefiting from it, and you're not putting it back into your product. It's amusing. The players don't want a salary cap, and the owners don't want a salary floor. So I don't think we'll ever see it because the the uh, teams are going to keep – you know, if I'm the Pittsburgh Pirates and I can get away with a, 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 a salary total that's less than what Bryce Harper's making, still get the competitive balance tax, still get full shares of television revenues, and, and you know, get my share of, you know, road game revenues, and my franchise continues to appreciate even though it's – Thinks, yep. <laughs> I'm not going to do anything about it. So that's that's the economics of baseball. Baseball is stupid enough that it, it, it cannot get its labor situation under control and put together a cap, which the NBA has, which the NFL has, which the NHL has. They're they're suffering. And, you know, the way that fans should do it is just don't go to the games in those cities. Do not go see Pittsburgh play if they're going to if they're not going to pay their players or Cincinnati or Oakland or Tampa Bay. I mean, they don't go as it is. Yeah, and then so, what, the, what, what, the, what man fraud needs to do is get a cadre of owners, strong owners with him, and say, okay, hello, Charlotte, hello, Vegas, and we're going to get an owner that's got tons of money. How about, you know, let's get everything, well, Bezos, no one wants to sell to Bezos. Bezos has more money than anybody. Hell, let Elon Musk buy a team. The guy's worth $100 billion. Let's get owners who are going to pay. Let's work it in the agreements when you buy the team that you're going to have have to do it and then let's go to these cities that are growing and and, and offer them teams oakland to las vegas uh, pittsburgh you know i don't care how long pittsburgh's been around they played in the first world series you're going to charlotte too bad yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about that. Maybe that ends up making it more of a national sport than a regional. Because you've, you've talked about that, Michael, that, uh, that baseball is very regional. And, you know, if you can make it, make it competitive, you know, so that yeah. any, anybody can win, maybe you'll have somebody in Minnesota, you know, that's, uh, that's rooting for the Mariners. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that, uh, that solves that problem. Well, maybe they're not rooting for the Mariners, but if the you know if we get to if the NFL has the great model where on the last weekend you've got seven teams fighting for two spots, which means just about every game matters in the la- up to the last game. So why not have it in baseball? You've already expanded the playoffs. Now let's get owners in there that want to spend. Why not a team in Orlando? Why not a team in Charlotte? Why not a team in Las Vegas? Why not a team in, you know, pick another city that's growing. Look at the demographics. Do an Austin slash San Antonio team. Put one right in the middle between them. Austin is growing exponentially. And, And start to threaten the owners of these teams that won't spend the money and say, hey, if you're not going to be a franchise that 
people want to pay attention to outside of your own market, then we're going to find some place that will attract attention because they're going to spend. Yeah, it is. I feel I'm frustrated for the fans of the of the Pirates and the A's and the you know because it's just you you see the uh, the worth of these owners owners in different publications and they're all billionaires. They're all yet some of these teams have payrolls in the forty million dollar range yeah. for the entire team and they're get everything you chronicle. They get they've got so many different streams of revenue attached to being that owner on top of their wealth that they came in with. There's no excuse yet. It's it's about hey I'm going to take this hey the Yankees want to spend that money the Mets the Padres you want to spend that money pay that tax I'm going to take my share of that competitive balance tax and stick it right in my bank account and look this is why the NFL has been so successful Green Bay is like the 179th largest ADI in the country yet Green Bay is able to compete against New York because of the socialistic structure of us of the NFL where all the money is divided evenly doesn't matter whether you win or lose, you get the same share of the TV money. You get the same share of the merchandising. So the Major League Baseball wasn't able to put something like that together, even though they got an antitrust exemption from Congress before anybody else did. Hey, so uh, what? Uh, as far as uh, watching the, the Phillies and just baseball in general and, you know, what, what do you think as far as bringing more fans to the game? And, it, you know, how, how are we going to see this, the effect of, of supposedly younger people? Because, you know, I'm again, I'm sort of in the camp of I don't like watching a guy step out of the box and adjust his gloves. That's obnoxious to me. But, you know, I don't need to have, you know, my attention span is long enough that I can pay attention and, and follow the game. But, you know, what do you, what do you think as far as uh, attracting new viewers? Um, if you're trying for the young people, it's going to be all through sports gambling period. Okay. And, and, and the problem is, though, there's, there's bets called nerfies, no run first innings. So a lot of the young people are betting and saying, is there going to be a run scored by either team or no runs in the first inning? This way, they only got to watch 15 minutes of baseball to find oh out whether God. their bet hits. Nerfies. So, nerfies. <laughs> and no run first inning, NRFI. So oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's sort of the, the one of the things. You're going to have to start to meet the, the, the young people where they are. And where they are is technology, social media, and sports gambling. And I wrote an article about this last summer. And the amount of money that is that is coursing through uh, for, uh, into these casinos and into the state coffers through taxes is unbelievable. And we're just somebody said to me we're in the first inning. It's only mm. going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the way people who are under the age of thirty experience sports now is through gambling. So you're gonna you know Wrigley Field is putting a sports book in the in the stadium. Yeah. You're going to you're going to have to have the types of things. There's going to have to be more technology. You're going to have to make, you know, I go to a, I go to a Phillies game and I try to post, you know, email or text somebody a photo. Here I am at the game, you know, I'm you know, I'm an old guy, so this is what I do. And I, I send a picture to put put a post up on social media and my brother's like, "Hey, was that Richie Ashburn's hat?" But it takes forever to post it cuz they don't have the bandwidth to be able to handle all the people who are there. It's preposterous. How can you not have this in the year 2023? So you have to make it so that there's steaming hot internet and and Wi-Fi and um, yeah. 
texting ability and, and posting ability for, for young people. There has to be the ability to start to bet in games. Next pitch a ball, next pitch a strike, next pitch a hit, next pitch an out. You have to be able to partner with the gambling companies to make it a situation where they, the, when somebody who's 25 or 30 comes to a game, everything they can do at home, sitting on their couch, they can do in the ballpark. Well, and the gambling, the only gambling that used to go on during the game was uh, the red, yellow, or blue boat that, that wins, you know, the, uh, the races. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have that in Philadelphia. Well, we, have, we, have, we have subway trains. But the other one yeah. that's a great game to play with your buddies, but they don't do it anymore because now they throw the ball into the crowd after every third out, was when they would roll the ball back onto the mound, you would have, everybody would put in 50 cents a half inning, and then it would be your turn, Dave. So if the ball stayed on the mound, you got the pot. <laughs> if it rolled off the mound, everybody put 50 cents in again, and we, we, we roll it over to the next inning. And so that was a heck of a lot of fun. You got seven or eight guys sitting there screaming at a baseball as it's rolling <laughs> off the mound onto the grass. That's well, a fun game for the whole family. Well, you mentioned <laughs> Chicago, and Soldier Field, I guess, has uh, betting kiosks. And the fact that the NFL is is getting because we used to get a lecture every year man every year and it was like such a bit now there's a team in las vegas i never thought i would see the day that the nfl because they are so paranoid about gambling and you know they've always been is of all the sports the most particular about not having a phone on the sidelines and and all this stuff i mean it's it's freaky how they now are you know embracing it and there's a team in vegas well, think about it. You know, think about the history. Alex Karras and Paul Horning were suspended for a year because they were they were you know caught gambling. Joe Namath had to give up his stake in Bachelors Three because it was frequented by members of the mob. But let's face it. Nowadays, when when the minimum salary is what seven hundred fifty thousand dollars or something like that, how much is a a, a, a you know a wise guy going to be able to pay a player? The only player player you can pay is the quarterback, really to influence the game. Yeah. He's making forty five million dollars. Here you go, kid. Here's fifty grand. To make yeah. it worth my while. He's like fifty grand. That falls out of my pockets when I do a headstand. So you don't have to worry about that anymore. The Eagles have three gambling partners, three companies that are their their game gambling partners. The NFL, I think, has seven. And it's only going to get bigger and bigger. What do you make of uh, college football leaders meeting in Indy this week to consider uh, three rule changes that could shorten the game times and reduce the number of plays? So they're looking at these different rules. The yeah. uh, uh, Running the clock after a first down is awarded, except in the last two minutes of either half, eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts and carrying over any fouls to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down. Uh, they said that they institute all those. They shorten. They estimate they shorten the game by an average average of seven to eight minutes and eight plays. Um, I, you know, they're, they're trying to mask this under player safety, but what it really is is the NFL has it perfect, right? Most games are done in three hours. It's a it's a perfect television window. It's almost like, okay, today's episode of The Bachelor will be on from 8 till 9, and then we know it at 9 o'clock somebody, a Grey's Anatomy's on. I don't know. But what college football now is, we now brought, bring you the, game, the Arizona-USC game already in progress yeah. because the Baylor-Texas Tech game took three and a half hours. 
Um, I have no problem with any of those rule changes. Consecutive, there's nothing more frustrating than consecutive timeouts, especially if it goes to commercial in during either of them. Um, the, the carrying a play over, I always thought that was a dumb rule. A quarter can't end on an offensive penalty or something like that. I was at a pit game one time. There was an offensive penalty, and they always play Sweet Caroline, I think, after the third quarter. They start to play it, and I'm sitting there going, they're going to have to stop it. People were like, why? <laughs> because there was an offensive penalty. Sure enough, hands touch it. Whoosh, then they stopped, ran the play, started it all over again. And then the, the first down thing is fine. As I want to keep it in the last two minutes because I want a team to be able to drive the field and use that as one of its, you know, as a timeout option to gain, a, you know, to gain a, the opportunity to get up on the ball. So I don't have any problems with either any of them. Yeah. So we got Brock and Salk down in uh, Peoria, down in uh, the Cactus League. What? Uh, what's it? I was just talking about uh, Michael. The the fact that it's such a great deal. You go down there. There's these complexes. The teams are all. I think we they share a field with the Padres. And then you know the players are very accessible and walking around. Is that a big deal to go down to the what is it uh, the, the Clearwater? The yeah. And as far as Philly fans go, is that oh, a yeah. big attraction? Oh, it's huge. It's a pilgrimage. Yeah, my wife and I went down about five years ago, went to two games. The games are secondary to the whole experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, look, you're going to a warm weather spot in March. March around here is, you know, we didn't have any snow so far this year. Knock wood, everything in my room, my office, my head. But it's still cold. I mean, it's 37 today and raining. So that's no fun. You get out of clear water, it's 80. You sit in the pool. Yeah. You watch four or five innings of the game, and then when everybody comes out that you recognize, you go get another beer out at Frenchie's out in the outfield at the bar and have a good time, then head home and go back in a hot tub. I mean, it's a great time. Hey, uh, last thing before we let you go, you guys have a new defensive coordinator off the Seahawks yeah. staff, Sean Desai. What do, what's the people excited? Are they wondering who he is? What's the reaction out there? Nobody knows who he is. Everybody's saying, okay, what do we heard? Well, Pete Carroll likes him. Okay, he's good. We'll, we'll take him. But, you know, nobody knew who Jonathan Gannon was, and they were ready to drive him out of town. Everybody in Philadelphia would have done it and taken him as far as he wanted to go after the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> look, here's how it works in Philadelphia, right? You better be good or are you going to be gone. Well, wasn't that because the guy that Sirianni was up to st- trying to sell everybody on how good he is? Was he the Oh yeah, he uh Yeah. And he, you know, he got completely outcoached by Andy Reid. The vaunted pass rush didn't come near Patrick Mahomes, who was playing on one leg. And when Gannon got the job in uh, Arizona, everybody's like, people are writing, "He's a genius. He's unbelievable." And people are saying, "Get out of here. We don't care. He's rotten in his Super Bowl." So, in comes a new guy, and everybody's going to say welcome. And then in the first game, if they give up twenty-seven points, they're going to say he stinks. <laughs> I like that he had so many options for a ride to the airport. That's great. Oh, everybody, <laughs> airport. We would have driven him to Arizona. I would have said, I'm taking three days off from work. I'm driving him. <laughs> oh, Philly fans, you got to love him. You got to love him. He is El Hombre, Michael Bradley. You can find him on Twitter, by the way, at Daily Hombre. At Daily Hombre, if you're on Twitter, that's where you can find him. Interact at your own risk, as I like to tell you. And you can find him here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock with Wyman and Bob. We appreciate it, man. Have a great week. We'll talk next week. So long, suckers. You know, he's probably not wrong. There'd probably be more than a few fans out there willing to drive somebody they dislike immensely from one of their franchises to another destination.
We went out there for a Monday night football game in 2005, and I remember I was down by one of the tunnels, and there was like a stretcher, and it looked like they had pillows or something, and, and it looked like uh, something was, uh, like a person was laying on the stretcher. And uh, one of the fans up there, I just happened to hear him, he's like, what is that, T.O. down there? Get him out of here! <laughs> Full of love and harmony yeah. out there. <laughs> and supposedly they have a, well, we've talked to Alambre about that. They, they have the... Well, they used to, I think, have a the who's cow. Oh yeah, they had a jail. The jail the, down, I don't know if they have that in the new state. I have it was to underneath the the. Yeah, it stadium. was at uh, what the heck was that? Uh, the vet. Is it yeah, the that vet? was the vet. Yeah, yeah, they did terrible have a jail stadium. Yeah. Terrible stadium. A lot of injuries on that turf. Ugh, played Goodness. there twice in my career. Not good. Yeah. All right. Coming up, the pitch clock, as we were talking about, has already had a major impact on baseball. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Our thanks to El Hombre, Michael Bradley, for joining us in the previous segment. In case you guys missed that, or Christian Miller, we had on from uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide broadcast team getting some insight on some Alabama players coming out in the draft. You can catch those conversations at seattlesports.com after the show. Yeah, you can just subscribe to our show, actually. It'll just pop right up. Yeah. That guy, you know, he played in the NFL for a little while, who we talked to. Yeah, fourth-round pick of the Panthers. Yeah, and... Yeah, he's a good player, but I mean, he's a pretty young guy still, and he's back there. I mean, like, that's a huge deal to be the sideline reporter for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, the guy got an NFL salary for three or four years, and now he's back doing doing radio. Oh, wait, who does that sound like? Mm-hmm. Uh, never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a huge deal for those guys down there. I mean, like I said, the SEC, man, to them, down in the South, it's like it's like the NFL, man. Well, I'm guessing because it's that, that maybe those jobs pay yeah. really well. Yeah. <laughs> like being a sideline reporter for Alabama probably is probably. one of the higher paying jobs out there considering how much that, that football program generates. Oh, it's just amazing the number of, and, and really it's starting to become Georgia, but like if you look at Clemson, it used to be, you know, Wisconsin put out a fair number, I, I'd say for the Big Ten. I know there's probably a lot of Michigan guys, but there was a, a sneaky number of Wisconsin players that mm-hmm. made it into the NFL, but, you know, LSU, um, you know, it used to be like the Florida schools, it used Miami, to be Miami, Florida used to be State, huge, right? Yeah. I mean, about the time when I was drafted, that's when Miami was just exploding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stars that have come out of Miami. Yeah, yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, there's except for quarterbacks. Um, yeah. yeah, it's there's certain schools that have always just been sort of the feeder systems for the NFL. And and Georgia's overtaken that they've taken that mantle, but Alabama it feels like every year they're losing yeah. double digit players to the NFL. Yeah, and that's what he told us. But yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of interesting because you know we're talking about this. Like, remember Texas? Texas used to be huge. Mm-hmm. That you know they were a big contributor. They kind of you know uh, live and die. You know they sometimes you see them with a, a good a good amount. But you, you look at Alabama. I mean, they're just consistently pumping out good players. Yeah. 
That's uh, So check out that conversation. That's on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. And as Dave says, subscribe. Makes everybody happy when you do that. Uh, meanwhile, we've we spent a lot of time talking about you know what, what we've noticed in, in the few spring training games we've been able to watch so far. It's very... Been very brief. We haven't gotten a full taste of this, and the regular season will certainly, you know, everybody will be watching, and it'll there'll be consequences. These games mean something. So, uh, but what what stood out the most, I think, for most people, is the pace. Just how quickly the game goes. You know, you got the pitch clock going fifteen seconds with no runners on, twenty seconds with a runner on. We've seen infractions from pitchers. We've seen infractions from hitters in the box. Uh, in different games, so it's it's been kind of interesting to watch so far. I sent you guys that article last night that so far spring training games are down an average of twenty three minutes, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good chunk of time right there. You're still getting your nine innings and all that, but we'll see what it looks like in the in the regular season. But there, there's that, and then I would I would say the only other thing that seems somewhat noticeable is the lack of pickoff attempts. Mm. The the bases. I, I, to me, I haven't really know. I don't even really, when you look at the field, it, you know, they're all the same except for home plate. So you're looking at it going, eh, it's, I mean, I guess I can kind of tell there's a four and a half different, four and a half inch difference in length between first and second and second and third. Yeah. You know, the thing you mentioned, the, the pickoff move, that was, that got to be obnoxious. Yes. Yeah. Now there are people that, are people still going to boo it, by the way? I was just going to say, ask that because, <laughs> you know, they would do it on the first throw over. The, the opposing, yeah. if it's a visiting team that's doing it on your, in your home park, they automatically boo. But you know, you only have two. Now you only got, yeah. well, you got a third one, but you better get them. But you better get them. You better yeah. get them or it's a box. So, yeah, I, I wonder about that part. And I, you know, also I was reading about, uh, I think it was Daniel Kramer was talking about how there might be the, what's it, the catcher throw down? What do they call that a back throw or whatever you know oh thrown down to, to first yeah. yeah 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 the catcher instead of throwing mm-hmm. back to the pitcher and you know trying to whip it down there and maybe that is going to be something that's of of value but uh yeah i mean that that got obnoxious the players and you know i'm i'm starting to come around to it slowly and first of all i haven't seen enough games because we've only seen 5 games or 6 games but you know that uh, to me is is one of the more obnoxious parts the the throw over there and then the the batters in the box that are stepping out and back in and everything so yeah i think i think but you know when i looked at the numbers though i'm like 2 hours and 19 minutes was one of them i'm like really yeah. do we really want it that fast i mean I don't, I don't know. know. Brady, you're a uh, millennial who doesn't have an attention span. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's the first thing I get is that. No, you're a, you're a baseball guy, though. I am, yes. So, what do you you like it? I'm not, I mean, I'm okay with the pitch clock. I heard you guys talking earlier. I'd like it to be a little bit longer, like 20, yeah. 25 with runners, with no runners on, and then maybe 30 with runners on because as a p- former pitcher yeah. you don't have time to shake off a pitch or take a breath because the minute that ball gets in your glove clock started yeah and you have mm-hmm. no decision making and and to get back to what you're saying yeah back door back pick is back what door pick. back pick yeah, yeah there we called. go Thank the, you. the other change we hadn't really talked about is pitchers now have the option of having their own pitch calm they can send the message to the catcher i'm throwing slider yeah. here or whatever they can send the message just to cut down on that time and avoid the shaking off the catcher or what have you. So you do you do eliminate some gamesmanship, you know, whether whether it's continuous shakeoffs or or pickoff attempts, you know, trying to get that runner just a little closer to mm-hmm. first base, shorten their lead. Uh but I think oh, I think the good is going to outweigh the bad. 
and and that's coming from somebody that's more I consider myself more old school when it comes to these. I think the the shift we'll we'll notice more in the regular season when we have it because we're not seeing all of these games first of all. You know, it's only a couple have been on TV. So we'll we'll get a chance night in night out to watch this team and and be able to look and go, "Well, that would have been an out last year. That would have mm-hmm. been an out." You know, so that's that's the other part of it. And then we'll see how the players feel about it. So far early, I would say the players by and large, have been in favor of it. Matt Brash on with Brock and Salk, who are out there all week. Um, so check them out. They start at seven, by the way. Somebody sent in a text and said they start at seven. You mean you mean to tell me they only do a three hour show? I believe I believe that's how it goes. Right? Do they start at six or seven? We had a texter said seven o'clock. I know. Okay. So this is what happens when neither one of us get up that early. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. I, I, maybe I'm not, I'm not, as the kids say, I'm not trying to get up at that hour. <laughs> I try to do, I've only been asleep for a couple of hours at that point, Dave. That's no good. Uh, but they're out there all week, so check them out, six or seven. Uh, start at six, just in case. You'll be safe that way. Uh, but they spoke with Matt Brash about the, the impact of the pitch clock, and here's what he had to say. Pitch clock's very interesting. For me, I tend to work faster anyways, but there is moments where... I do like to catch my breath because sometimes maybe I, I lose it a little bit. And I need to go to the rosin bag and take my breath and reset. So the pitch clock does speed you up a little bit. So it's going to take us some adjustments. Hey, do we have the Julio one? Yeah. Can we really quick hear that one? Because I, I thought this was really interesting. That you know, as from a player's perspective. Um, I think so. I think so. I feel like I like I like the new rules personally. You know, like and I speak for everybody, but I feel like I'm not a guy that's going to be doing too much in the box or like things like that. And like I think two and a half hour game every day, getting getting back to bed early, having a nice sleep, getting ready for the next day. I feel like that's going to be huge, especially for us. It's, we fly so much. We always in the row, and I feel like. It's gonna be it's gonna be key for us. And I feel like the time that gives you to rest and like kind of just basically hang around at the end at the end of the night is not gonna be as short. Like leaving at 11 p.m. or like almost 12 every time that you basically finish the game, have like a nice little routine for recovery. Like you got time to at least like have a nice dinner. So you can learn something from a 21 year old. I, I I just thought that was something that I hadn't really thought about. The players, mm-hmm. the players having to get on. You know the trips now. I know it's only a half an hour, but still, it'll be it'll be better for them as far as you know some of these brutal trips they're taking. We mentioned earlier the one where they went from the Nationals from Washington to Texas. It was a getaway game, and you know they're playing early and then trying to get on. I think they got in at like three o'clock in the morning or something, but. Yeah, I, anyway, I, I like that. By the way, it's overwhelmingly, it starts at 6 a.m., and oh. people are texting in. So, Oh, all right. Yeah, Brock and Salk, 6 a.m. It doesn't mean anything to you because you're two hours into sleep. Yeah, I want, it doesn't mean anything at yeah. all. Uh, I just There was a texter that sent in something that said 7 o'clock. So that's what I get. I trusted a texter. Is that that's what I get for that? I was like, well, wait a minute. They only have to work three hours? <laughs> <laughs> that was Mother, you know. Yeah, of course. We love them. We love them. Yeah, and they're down uh, all week. All as week. we will be at the uh, at the end of the month down yeah. in Peoria. Yep, check them out. I think it'll be a little warmer when we're when we're there, yes. I would think, right? End of March versus now. So, well, at yeah. least they're missing the snow up here. It's, yeah, they're, they're still in better weather. All right, coming up, the Seahawks price to sign Geno Smith may have gone up. We'll tell you why. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Three six zero asking, what dates are you guys down there? I'd like to talk some fashion with Dave. 
<laughs> yeah, we're the sort of fashionistas, uh, Bob and I. Well, we've got we, opinions. Yeah, we got. We, how about this, Bob and Dave, on what not to wear? Yeah, how about look that? At us, huh? We seem like the proper guys to be making those calls. See, look at Brady, our guy on the board. He's dressed like we are. Yeah, I'm I mean, always dressed like this. Yeah, yeah. You here's, and I don't know if you think of it this way, but I like I'm the opposite of my wife. My wife dresses to be noticed. Yeah, I dress to not be noticed. I'm dressing for comfort. Yeah, comfort, <laughs> and then like maybe I'll ju- if I could do like camouflage. <laughs> you just like to blend in. <laughs> just blend in, like. Yeah, be like a chameleon. Like I all of a sudden turn. All the of a sudden, color you see your this. eyes blink, and you're yeah. in the wall there. <laughs> <laughs> be like Rambo coming out of the tree or something. Yeah, that's. Well, uh, I, I can give you right now if you want just uh, comfortable pants and uh, a t-shirt and a zip-up jacket. Uh, by the way, this is free. Uh, they're both free because they're Seahawk things. There yeah. you go. They, they, yeah, those been, are the best prices. Been working with the the Seahawks for like sixteen years. Every year, I get like a new polo or something. I'm guessing so. half of your wardrobe has been free Seahawks gear. Uh, if I looked wrong. in your closet, I'm sorry, Bob, you're wrong about that. It's seventy five percent. It's three quarters. <laughs> it's all just different versions of Seahawks gear yeah. from year to year. That's right. That's awesome. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, all right. Uh, meanwhile, we we were talking about. Uh, we talked on about this earlier in the show, the list that NFL.com put out there. They they listed their 101 top free agents. Why 101? I'm not sure. Yeah. By the way, did you see who number 101 was? Yeah, it was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah. So they've got uh, their number one free agent. And some of these you expect, all right, yeah, technically they're going to be a free agent, but they're not. Do you think Lamar Jackson's going anywhere? Uh, they be insane. I mean, he's number go. one. Do you think people are saying that about Gino? I mean, obviously, he's not as established as. I mean, Lamar Jackson has had just phenomenal years, but Gino yeah. did go to the Pro Bowl, and but you know, like we talked about earlier, wherever there's somebody that knows him, I think it's a threat. Yeah, Dave Canales, quarterback coach, went to Tampa. I mean, you're going to draw that conclusion. Same thing with uh, Scott Fitter. Or they could be guys that like, yeah, I know Gino, and there's some things that, you know, I, I I don't like about him, or I know what his downfall is, and, you know, what his what his little, uh, you know, uh, flaws are. So maybe that would work against him. Well, you think you'd want, if you're Gino, you'd want the rumor, rumor mill churning. You'd yeah. want to hear your name, whether it was true yeah. or not. If there was no shred of truth to it, you'd still love to hear, hey, we hear that, that Carolina is really interested in Geno Smith. Yeah. His agent should be putting that stuff out there. I mean, yeah, because, it's true. Because it's it's just, that's the one thing that sort of stuck out to me in this whole thing is we, we keep hearing about uh, Carr seems to be the one the most, because he's already taken visits. So you know the Saints have an interest. You know the Jets have an interest. We've heard about, you know, teams having interest in Aaron Rodgers, who's not a free agent. But we're waiting, you know, after he has emerged from the darkness to tell everybody what his plan is moving forward. But he's been speculated to different teams. Justin Fields, who's not a free agent been a number of different teams he's been you know he'd be a good fit here they'd really like to have him here yeah and you can go down jimmy garoppolo you can go down with all these different quarterbacks i just haven't heard that with gino but he's obviously you know got he's got the eyes of scouts and people like greg rosenthal and people like that i think everybody acknowledges he had a great year a year that nobody expected and i think maybe because it was so far off the charts of what anybody thought was realistic they're all going all right is this real 
yeah. not real, and maybe that's why there's the hesitation to have a bunch of teams in the mix. And I think maybe if he or maybe maybe there's rumor out there of what he wants. You know, I don't I don't know yeah. what that number is, but let's say on the inner circles there, hey, we hear he wants forty. Forty. Yeah. We, we hear he wants forty five or something along there where they're just going, Okay, well that's a non starter. He's yeah. if he were twenty five, maybe I'd look at that and he had a couple good years. Okay, maybe that's a conversation, but he's yeah, maybe thirty three. This is the first time he's ever played this way in a decade. Why would I be foolish enough to give somebody like that 45 or 40 yeah. or whatever, whatever. I'm just throwing that number out you there. Know, Derek Carr, I think, is really interesting, too. He's number six. Uh, and he's been a guy that, kind of like Matthew Stafford that we've talked about, you know, where it's like, you look at his stats, what's wrong? What's the problem here? I, I'm almost more curious where he's going. <laughs> you uh, know, I mean, Derek Carr, and I, I would like to see him go somewhere and have have just a great season. But, um, but yeah, Gino, man, I just... I keep going back and forth with that because if if there isn't a lot of interest in the NFL f- for him, why not? I mean, if you go and look at the the year that he had, like what's what are the what are the negatives? I mean, you you make a pro and con list. I mean, you know, and I, I guess on the con side, I'd be like, why did it take so long? You know why? Why wasn't? Why didn't he? You know, try to force his way into a trade like Baker Mayfield, who's number one hundred and one. Remember, mm. he in, with Carolina last year, he was very cool about it to Carolina. He was like, "I really think I can play in this league. I want you to release me," and they yeah. did. You know, and I, I'm wondering if not release, but you know, trade or just anything. Why didn't Gino sort of push for that? That well, be- he'd been a free agent every year. He was signing one year deals. So yeah. he'd been out there to be had every single year. And we right. talked about the Seahawks didn't sign him till April. Right. And, sure. and he chose to, you know, sign back with, you know, not only the, you know, one of the best top elite quarterbacks in Russell, but then a guy that never gets hurt. Yeah. So you're not going to get a chance. So, you know, maybe that's on the, on the con list. I think age, although his, I don't know, his game, I, I don't want to say it's age proof, but it's not like he's known for his ability to, to run around and, you know, sprint and, you know, bust out of the pocket. It's not, that's not really his game. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. But the other uh, interesting thing from this uh, was that, you know, we were always kind of up and down with uh, with Ethan Posick. Yeah. You know, he, do you remember? He was a second round draft choice. Yeah, out of LSU, and now all of a sudden, I mean, it's not super high, but I think it was sixty seven second center on the list, something like Kelsey that. Kelsey was number the first center uh, as far as a, attractive free agents, right? And Jason Kelsey was the the first one, and he was in the thirties, I think. But he's thirty five yeah. years oh, old. Right. Thirty seven. He's he's at thirty seven. Yeah, yeah. So he's thirty five years old, and they I think they say in there that he's likely to sign back with Philly or retire. Ethan? No, no, no. Oh, Kelsey. Oh, you're. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Kelsey, so the yeah. next, gotcha. it, just going by their list, the next viable option at center because for those that missed it, Austin Blythe retired. So the Seahawks have Kyle Fuller on the roster and maybe Joey Hunt, I guess. So I, yeah. they'll be looking at free agents and maybe the end or the draft. I would think probably both. Uh, but yeah, Ethan Postick is the next guy as far as a center on that list. By the way, sorry, it was uh, it was Puna Ford that was thirty seven, which oh, kind of surprising to me. But uh, Ethan Postick was sixty five, mm. number sixty five as far as you know, and it's just his list. So I mean, yeah. I'm not sure he probably has his sources and everything, but uh, yeah, it'll it'll be uh, it would be weird for them to sign him back because I don't know. Everybody kind of expected more out of Ethan Posick. You know, I think the one thing, too, we always talk to our buddy Ray Roberts, and he always says, give me somebody who's a Ph.D., and I think 
They, he used to be a guard, and they have him listed as center. And I feel like once he got and played center and owned it, yeah. that's, that's his spot. All right, that's going to do it for us. we got the Mariners Cactus League report coming up next. want to thank our guest today, El Hombre, Michael Bradley, and Christian Miller from the uh, Alabama Tide Radio Network, who are guests on the program. You can find that stuff on the podcast page, seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab, click on our picture, and it's right there waiting for you as it is each and every night. And as Wyman always tells you, as Lefko tells you, click subscribe. It makes everybody happy. It just makes our day. Have a great night, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow right here with Wyman and Bob. Seattle Sports on 710.